You're listening to Disruptive Dialogues on the Future of Religion. Our aim is to provide listeners tools for a conversation on how religion is changing and being affected by society. I'm your co-host, Troy Shepard. I'm an app developer and a business entrepreneur and a researcher on cultural trends related to religion and community. And I'm your co-host, Dr. Heidi Campbell, a professor of communication at Texas A&M University, where I study the intersection of religion, media, and digital technology. Welcome, and let's dive into today's conversation. Welcome back to our podcast. On January 8th, 2022, an article came out in The Economist called God, Mammon, and Real Estate. The world's religions face a post-pandemic reckoning. And in this article, the main focus of it was looking at how churches can stay competitive so they can get enough of the market share to stay alive in this competitive, especially post-pandemic world. So in this article, looked at kind of churches where they're at, kind of the state of church attendance, and a number of other issues related to church buildings. So one of the flawed assumptions we found in this article is thinking that churches are a business and that they're in competition with others. So we wanted to explore that and some of the thoughts that were shared in this article today on the podcast. Yeah, and so that's the focus that we want to consider today. It's really comes down to a how do churches continue to, and I'm going to put air quotes here, mm-hmm. stay in business going forward, but also continue to stay on mission. So when you think of a church and its mission, I think the first thing that a lot of us really want to know right up front is, is the church spiritually healthy? And then how do you define that? Okay, because you can look at, well, a church is still in business, so they must be healthy, right? And in reality, they may be in business and completely be unhealthy. And there's many businesses that are you know, running on that agenda where they're struggling to stay in business, but just because they're in business does definitely not mean that they're you know, it's a healthy environment or a healthy atmosphere. So the article is really helpful because it kind of unpacks where this idea of churches as a business or churches as a competitive model kind of came from. So it talks about really briefly Adam Smith, who was an economist from Scotland. And in 1776, he wrote a book that's quite well known, The Wealth of Nations. And in this book, he was putting forth his kind of thesis about what the best kind of economic climate is for people and businesses to thrive. And he described, and he's looking at the traits of competition, self-interest, supply and demand. And he makes some interesting comments about churches in there. And he says that churches similarly function in a market kind of mentality and as kind of a form of industry. And this is because they are reliant on donations, they're driven by volunteers, and they also are are focused around a specific building. Real estate is important. And he says that from this idea, we can see that why have tithes and attendance, these numbers, become so important to churches? Well, it's because this kind of market model, which he was kind of advocating for the UK and the newly created US, was used as a gauge of success. And pastors, we could argue, they have bought into this market mentality, either knowingly or unknowingly, over time. And so we see that, you know, churches are evaluated by 
are we healthy? It's based on how much money is coming in on the plate, how many people we have active in our volunteer rotas, what kind of uh, resources that we own. And, you know, it's so much so that in Gallup did a recent poll looking at what were the top factors that influenced people's choices about churches. Well, they found the top two influencers. One was 80% said the social activities that a church provided. So kind of the events, but especially, you know, children's activities, kind of social opportunities um, was a big draw. And the second was the music. So did they connect with the style of music that was presented? So these are very much kind of characteristics of, you know, a church event. And what it says is that consumer taste oftentimes in contemporary society trump people's theology or understanding of what Christian community is as a draw. And so this kind of idea as a marketplace mentality is something that's influenced church growth practices, it's influenced theology, and it's even influenced contemporary how people go to and why people go to certain churches. Yeah, and I think if we didn't see this before, I think the pandemic has definitely heightened this market model, which basically shows that I think most churches have still bought into the event-based consumer experience. Barna did a study which kind of shows or elaborates on the shift in these attendance challenges. And if we break this up, we can actually see if you have a if you visualize a pie chart in front of you and you just divide it into thirds. You can pretty much put most people in one of these three quadrants. Uh, the first quadrant being about 35%. Barna found in their in their research that about 35% of people are still attending their pre-COVID church, whatever church they were going to before the pandemic. They're still attending those churches. They haven't moved, and they're still attending. That could be online, but it, it's probably more so in person. Another third, they have either switched churches during the pandemic, or they're only attending either one or more than one church online, but not their pre-pandemic church. So we've seen that a third have transitioned. There's this huge transition pool of people. They're I mean, I, I don't know, maybe they're not sure of which church to go to, or they have, you know, there's been some debates, whether it's political, pandemic-related, who knows what could be theological, that have been exposed, and they've transitioned. And the last third, which this is, I think, the most telling, is 32% have just stopped going to church altogether. So whatever church was providing, it wasn't enough, or it wasn't what they were expecting. Now, is this group of people all the same? I would say probably not. They probably have a vast array of reasons of why they've left. I think the pandemic has exposed enough things that this particular piece of the pie has grown much bigger than I think was expected. So just like in, if you go back 100 years ago or so, America went through this thing called the Great Recession. And recently, a number of people have started to kind of try to put labels on what we've gone through over the last couple of years, not just the pandemic label, but some of the things economically or uh, the way people are moving forward during the pandemic. They've called it the great resignation. They've called it the great reshuffle. There's a whole bunch of other names I'm sure that you've heard of. Uh, but I think for churches, the thing that, that would probably be most helpful is to think of this in a way that's called the great rethink. Basically, how should churches move forward with their obligations. Now, you can look at this in obligations regarding their own buildings because there's an economic or financial aspect there. But for this podcast, we really want to focus on how should churches move forward with a, a better or even a more consistent 
mission. Every church has a mission that they've written out, uh, you know, mission, vision, values, purpose, statements, whatever you want to call it. They know what this is. This is, this is something that's been pinned. The Great Rethink, I think, is all about breaking the consumer mindset. And so in the article, the author talks a little bit about this in historically building on the ideas of Adam Smith, that he said that if you go to Britain nowadays, you can see a lot of buildings that are obviously churches, but they're not being used as churches. And so, you know, we can see that over the last, especially 100, 150 years, there's been this shift in kind of what churches do and what they're used for. This came out in the Victorian era as a real struggle between the mindset of society and the Enlightenment is built on rationality, it's built on science, and that's the center, it should be the center truth point in society, or is it religion and the tradition that had gone before? And so one of the responses of churches, especially the Church of England, was, hey, let's build a lot more churches. If we get people in these buildings and give them kind of this an event and this kind of gathering point, it will build social cohesion and show our place in society. Well, this great experiment failed in many, many respects, and a lot of it had to do with kind of people losing faith in church and religion after World War I. That's a bigger question. But what we saw is a lot of these churches over the next hundred years were transitioned into not houses of worship, but if you walk down Edinburgh, where I used to live, where Adam Smith did his writing, you'll see churches that are now um, theaters, pubs. You can even go to a rock climbing gym that used to be a church, and even nightclubs. And so we see that, you know, the kind of this focus on Let's get them in a building. Let's get them around a program. This mentality, it didn't work in Europe. And we're arguing that, you know, maybe that we're a little bit slower to come to that realization, but maybe some of the structures, maybe the untold economic model that's been sitting in the minds of churches to keep them moving in a certain direction, maybe that needs to be challenged in these days of, of, the, of a great shift in how people go to church and how people see church. Yeah, so moving away from this this thing we call a business model, uh, this is something that's been, I think, prolific in churches for centuries, <laughs> as Adam Smith kind of notated. But then, what is the opposite of that? Like, what if it's not a business model? Then what what space does that look like? And I think we would both agree that it would look something like a, a, a community model, and that could have a lot of definitions. I think it would be a better model, you know, in comparison to a business model. But the community model would be a model that would focus more so on the mission of the church, the mission of the particular religion that is trying to invoke some sort of spiritual either guidance or understanding. And what what would the if if a church moved from a community model, what would that invoke for the spiritual audience? I think that would be a, a great question to start tackling. You know, people are leaving what the church has long been struggling to provide. I think the church wants to provide that. But I think during the pandemic, we've seen so many people leaving the church. I think it's opened up this this question of, well, shoot, are we really <laughs> are we really doing what we think we're doing, or are we doing something else? Because the proof is in the pudding, right? I don't even know where that statement came from, but uh, it, it sounded really good right there. So I, I think changing one's experience is really where the church could focus on instead of focusing on an event. Focus on the experience. Give the audience an experience that they can take into a real spiritual journey or their walk with God. Not just a meeting or this encounter where we talk about specific topics, but something that people can actually take from their religious community and live out this, I guess what we call a spiritual journey. 
So it's kind of like the metaphor, uh, church has been a gas station. It's a place, it's a one-stop shop. You fill up your tank with the resources and in this encounter, and then, you know, that kind of pushes you through the week. And the idea is you have to keep going back to the gas station to get filled up. But what we really need is churches that kind of arm people with a toolbox of resources that they can carry through the week, that they come back and they maybe have to, the times of gathering are about, you know, sharpening up those tools, learning better how to use them. But the idea is that, you know, you, you it's not not just a, a fill-up station. It's about a gathering. It's about preparing one for a spiritual journey and for all the things they'll face in the week. Um, and the article kind of picks up on this. That you know, one of the questions the author asks is, you know, well, if these third of the people who were regular tenders once a month going to church, if they don't do that anymore, what are they doing with their time? Mm-hmm. And one of the things he noted through some statistic is that people are spending a lot of time on their moving toward mindfulness activities. Yoga and meditation have become extremely popular with both online apps and kind of programs because people want not just a, a recharge, as it were, they want kind of a resource that they can carry throughout their life. They want something that gives them meaning. They want them something that gives them skills to be tackle other parts of their life as well. And I think, you know, the church needs to kind of change this consumer mindset, stop at being a one-stop shop, a fill-up place, but a place that's imparting and empowering and really saying it's about your journey. We're helping you with your journey, not just to get the resources, but to kind of be prepared for all that's coming your way and all that God has for you. Yeah. And, and, and people will still find a spiritual journey somewhere. If they're not finding it at church or through their spiritual community, they'll keep looking. And they will find it someplace. And it may not necessarily be a healthy place, but they'll find it. So I think, too, when the church is less reliant on donations and volunteers as their major platform, I think there's still something left. Uh, when we stop checking those boxes, yes, we have made you know enough people. Uh, we've made enough money on the roll, and we have enough volunteers, when we stop checking those boxes or those become less, less important, hopefully there's a spiritual journey that's still left that the church can give those who are, you know, seeking that. Basically, it's a place where those with similar beliefs can flourish in their personal walk. And if that isn't what the focus starts to turn to, I think this business model is going to run itself, unfortunately, exactly what it's done in Europe it's going to run itself into the ground. And and that's not a place I think any leader or even any business modeled enterprise wants to take themselves. So we'd like to encourage and challenge our listeners to go away and think about where in your, either your experience of your church, your current church environment, or kind of how you see church, where have you kind of equated it with a kind of a market competition mentality? The sense that we're in competition to get others in our doors, the sense that we have to kind of meet these kind of resource needs in order to kind of stay alive, where it's all about kind of the numbers and not about the journey. Some of those things, again, are very easy to see, and some things are of those aspects are kind of just so ingrained in kind of the talk and business of church that we don't even realize how it's infiltrated and informed how we see church. But thinking about that, how can we see the church not as a business, but as a spiritual journey? And what could we do differently to facilitate that for others? Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified of future podcasts. And be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite platform or share it with your friends. 
We hope you're leaving today with a better understanding about religion and conversational tools to talk about it. We look forward to seeing you again in our next episode. So until then, take, take care. care.